Welcome to Soul Stirrings, a podcast where all things regarding faith, communication, and culture are considered. I'm your host, Paul Patton, and here's hoping for at least a couple of grins and maybe one strange amen. Welcome back to Soul Stirrings. In my first two podcasts, I introduced um, the topic of stewarding the stirrings of the soul um, and gave some autobiographic context for my interest in cultivating sacred interiority. And the last uh, podcast, I specifically talked about Jesus's uh, practice of retrieving uh, from his uh, profoundly well-developed sacred interiority. Uh, part of the Deuteronomic text in response to the temptations of Satan. Also, we talked about uh, uh, Peter's ability at Pentecost, certainly influenced by his rabbi, Jesus, um, his ability at Pentecost to be able to retrieve portions that were so significant from the scriptures in this extemporaneous sermon at Pentecost. Today, I'm going to be uh, talking about uh, a specific gift of the Jews, um, one of the ways I think in which Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that uh, through Abram the world would be blessed, that one of those blessings is what I, what they, the Jews would call Shema, um, this hub of, of one's cognitive wheel, this, this ability to uh, think and practice extensively uh, the centralizing truth that can be affirmed uh, around which all other ideas, all other inspirations, all other competing possibilities, including temptations, are submitted. It's this gift of the Jews called Shema. Um, The Shema for the Jew is the portion of Hebrew scripture deemed central to Jewish belief and found probably most famously in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The first three words, hear, O Israel, are repeated throughout Deuteronomy and emphasize different central truths and commands. But it's the portion of the chapter 6 that serves as the initial and central confession in the Jewish prayer book. Every Jewish adherent offers the Shema prayer up twice each day, once in the morning and once at night. Essentially, it provides, shall we say, the mental linkage to the central truth of the believer's life, the existence and knowableness of the one true God. It is the accepting, shall we say, of the divine yoke of relational responsibility to the Father God, and the gracious boundaries necessary to keep one's freedom from becoming bondage. In the Jewish tradition, to recite the Shema is to perform a mitzvah, a sacred duty before God. One can think of it as a mental assertion of truth that identifies the believer with the faith of the Jewish patriarchs and a central lens through which all of life is given form, context, and vitality. And again, it is a central stirring that is to be stewarded. Now again, think about this. The the practice was, in the Jewish tradition, that this Shema, this this, um, central truth, this hub of one's cognitive wheel, 
the center of one's thought life is something recited every day, twice per day. It is a centering act and by its very nature serves again as the hub grounding all of the spokes in life's wheel. It is a transcendent reference point for grasping who we are, where we are, and why we are. Something that we need reminding, to, to be reminding ourselves regularly. In the myriad of external demands and the flurry of distractions that make up our overly stimulated existence, at least for most of us, such ultimate reference points are absolutely necessary. It is a central reference point, the Shema. It is a central reference point in our dance with pop culture. It is what gives context and meaning to our easily distracted existence. I would contend, like the patriarchs, like the apostles, like our spiritual leaders, I would contend that everyone needs a central confession, ritually and passionately asserted every day, and maybe more than twice per day. Again, such a confession, such a Shema said aloud reminds one of their ultimate purpose. Again, who we are, where we are, why we are, this kind of central confession. And if you will, this kind of Christian Shema is an asserted and reasserted truth that ties the confessor to the creator of the universe, her responsibilities and privileges within the creation and the purpose-drenched context of all thought, all of our attitudes, and all our behavior. And it is a central confession that is hidden on our heart, as referenced uh, by the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 11, memorized in order to be easily retrieved as a contextualizing, energizing confessional oasis. Thy word have I hid in my heart, said the psalmist, that I might not sin against thee. It starts to become internalized when it is memorized. And it will not be memorized until it's deemed worthy of doing the mental work associated with memorization. But frankly, in my view, the crisis of many is an inability to answer the question, is there any truth so central and clarifying that it is worthy of being put, it is worthy of being put to memory and asserted explicitly every day? Certainly, Moses and the prophets thought so. So I leave you with this question to ponder through the week. What's your Shema? Next week, we'll spend a little bit more time on specifically the Shema, how to choose one. It needn't be one for the rest of your life. It could be one for a season. If you have a mission statement, how are mission statements of institutions and organizations associated with this concept, this Jewish gift of Shema? And then we'll give some more examples historically of stewarding the stirrings of the soul as an instrument for building the mind. Again, thanks for joining me on Soul Stirrings. Mm-hmm.